Have you ever thought, do I have what it takes to become an entrepreneur? And if the answer is yes, then you should definitely listen to this episode because we're revisiting Sam Hornsby and May Yip's episode. They're best friends and they're the founders of Eric Festival. In this episode, they share their personal journeys and inspiring stories of how anyone can make it as an entrepreneur and why your background means absolutely nothing. It's all about who you are and the difference that you can make. Let's jump straight into it. Guys, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, so here we are, we're here to help people who are at the really early stages of starting a business. Um, when I started my company now, I, I found it frustrating and difficult to find relevant and actionable advice that I could actually use and someone who would answer honestly and share vulnerability about some of the problems that we go through, but how we solve some of those problems. And there's so many. And um the reason I invited you guys on is because you have a particularly interesting story and one where you've migrated from a position of success to put yourself at huge risk to try and make something amazing. And I love that that journey and I'm fascinated about how you've done it. Um, and so hopefully you can share that with some of the guys here today. So before we get underway, I'd love to hear who you are for people who don't know. So we'll start with you, Sam. Tell me a bit about where you're from, what you're doing before you became a creative megastar oh so i kind of fell into the tech startup world which is an amazing place to be there's so much to learn really I'm in cool. it. i love it <laughs> yeah. um yeah everyone is very cool um <laughs> but um i just kind of felt like that wasn't really for me i'm not really kind of tech oriented i'm not really that interested really by tech um the actual company was teaching people how to code as well so it's kind of like really ingrained in like the jargon and everything, and it was just way over my head. Um, but what I did love about it is that I uh, started as the second employee that they'd ever had, and then by the time I left, there were like 50 employees. Wow. So I really got the kind of startup bug that everyone talks about, um, and I just loved it. And then- What um, was it you loved about it? Like, was it because, I mean, a lot of people do that. Once they've tasted a startup, they never do anything else. What was it about it that made you think, yeah, this is awesome? Well, actually, I've never worked at a big company, so I feel like I can't really kind of compare the two. Okay, fair. Um, before that, I was unique. actually, yeah, yeah, it was, well, I have a bit of like a weird kind of convoluted background where um, I really wanted to be creative when I was at school, um, applied to go to art school, but didn't get into Falmouth, which was like the only choice that I really wanted to go for. Um, so ended up then just being like, what the fuck do I do now? Um, and I hadn't really thought about any other options that was kind of like the only thing that I really wanted to do but I really felt pressured to go to uni so I just decided to apply to uh Leeds Law School obviously obviously <laughs> I was like I was literally every time I've spoken to you I've thought what a lawyer <laughs> why are you not in a suit <laughs> I don't I, I don't understand I think that's something that how many people have felt that way when you know it's so crazy that you think like you're you're what are we, when are you when you do UCAS? You're like 17, mm. and they're saying, Oh, look, can you just go and decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life? Oh my god, I did theology, did yeah. you? <laughs> and that is it's a big word, <laughs> it's it's a big word. And and I'm 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 a priest, <laughs> clearly, I'm not, I am not, but still, yeah, I know what you mean. And so, what, how can you possibly know what you want yeah. to do? And you spend your whole life being like, I want to be creative, I want to be an artist, and of course, you're like what's naturally the next step for me? Oh my God, literally my logic was if, like I kind of like arguing, I'm quite a confrontational person. I was like, I might as well just get better at arguing. And then that's a transferable skill that you can Great. use anywhere. 
Well, so I, I mean, I, I do see the logic of that. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do see it. And that didn't work out, I'm assuming. No, it didn't work okay. out. So I was there for like a year and literally hated it. So I made no friends. I was just sitting... I just hated like the uni culture as well as the subject that I was kind of studying. I'm just not... I'm not really a going out person. And Leeds is kind of like the biggest you know, one of those kind of like real uni cities where you're really pressured to like be the student that you're expected to be, which is like go out every night, go and get like triple vodkas, Red Bulls and stuff. And I'm like, that's just not my vibe. So it's hard when you're surrounded by that, when you see a lot of people doing the same thing. There's there's nothing more lonely than being a, a different person in a crowded place. Oh my mm-hmm. God, it was so isolating. And um, no one really kind of like understood where I was coming from as well. They were like, oh my God, like, why don't you just go out? You'll just love it. And I was like, no, well, I've tried it and I just really hate it. It's just yeah. not me. Yeah. Um, so then I basically quit after a year and there was like a big tussle with my parents because they were very much like, you know, well, my dad was, and my dad is actually a lawyer. Um, and when I chose law, he was like, you're an idiot. Like, you're going to absolutely hate it. But when I was actually in there, he was like, you've got to follow it through because that's what their generation are used to. You know, they're like, job for life. That's it. You're in. And there's no getting out now. You find a law firm and you're in it forever. Um, So when I when I said that I wanted to quit, my mum was actually quite supportive. But my dad was like, you have to at least follow the year through because otherwise you're, you know, in fact, actually, he made me try and get a job before I'd even left um, because he was like, you can't just leave with like nothing at the end of it. So I was just like applying to like random shit everywhere and anywhere that I possibly could. And I had no idea what I wanted to do because I was like, all I've known so far is art and law. And I'm like, what's the middle bit? <laughs> you know? what, what is the middle bit? <laughs> Where that, right? else is yeah. there? So I was just applying for like literally anything. And I found a job on Gumtree, which in today's day and age feels a little <laughs> bit sketchy. But <laughs> I mean, if, if, if someone is... If uh, someone says to me, I was just trying to jump in Gumtree, I'd be like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Was it cleaning I, in your underwear? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, oh okay. Fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just to confirm. Um, so anyway, and it was basically a tiny startup, this PR firm in London. I mean, calling it a firm is a bit of a stretch to be honest, like a PR collective I'm of like they don't four people. Anymore. No, they did. It liquidated <laughs> after I left, thank God. Um, because you left. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, what, I mean, that's... one can only assume, right? <laughs> of course, yeah. So um, they basically were looking for a student who essentially they could just like morph into what they wanted. Um, and it was restaurant PR, but like high-end restaurant PR. Um, again, it was like four people in the company. So... I really enjoyed working in that tiny environment. We were in Hoban, just around the corner um, from where we actually work now. And it was like this beautiful old uh, court building. Anyway, so really cool environment. We were sharing an office with like a casting company. Aveda were upstairs. You know, it's like a really cool yeah. place to work. Yeah, fair. Um, I was being paid absolutely nothing. Like everyone in PR? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, entry level is like, I mean ridiculous i was literally like one big mac a week kind of price yeah (laughs) i I had to like walk like an hour and a half into work every day and then walk back because i couldn't afford the tube like it was ridiculous um so so yeah so i was there for like a couple of years then i left it because i got this job at uh i don't know if i'm allowed just, I don't know if I should say the name, but this tech startup company. I'm, that, sure, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure it's just, fine. Unless, unless you're under some kind conscious. of serious, um, some kind of non-compete where you're doing something or some kind of... <laughs> no. have you have you Have you had some kind of silence put on you where you have to <laughs> not no. say their name? No, I just... But, okay, for, just in case, we'll carry <laughs> on. Know. I'm getting really like nervous about it. Um, I'm just a bit worried if I say something like, rude about it, then maybe they'll and come back. And that's your opinion and you're entitled to it. 
That's true. Yeah. It is an amazing company, to be fair. But it sounds like it's not a risk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, the company's name is Decoded. Amazing. Uh, got I, that out there. I know them. Great business. Yes, amazing. Absolutely incredible. And um, uh, uh, there were four founders in the company, and each of them did incredibly different things. Um, and so it was really interesting just watching them from literally, like, I don't know, they'd started, I think, six months before I got there. And like I said, I was the second employee. Um, and watching their different roles and how clearly defined they were and their different strengths and being so close to all of them in the decision-making process because, you know, we were working in this, like, tiny, tiny office that we called, like, the corridor because it was essentially a corridor with, like, no windows. And um, (laughs) And they would, like, you know be having these big discussions about where they were going as a business. They were dealing with like, you know, good amounts of money at that point. And then they turned to like me and this girl, Annika, who were like the two employees being like, what do you think? And we were like, I was like, I'm like 19. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't have any thoughts. You know, like. But that's great. And I think I talk about this all the time on the show. Like you went, you did the startup degree. Uh, that's mm, yeah, yeah that, there's you know there's nothing more valuable than being well I think in business of being so close to something at that point because you realize there are these are the kind of problems you have to face. Yeah. You know, and being exposed to it really equips you. And then you got the bug, right? You're yeah. like, shit, I want to do this myself. So that's quite interesting because that is a um <coughs> a legit business who are doing really well, really well. And you decided that actually, even though it's doing great and you've got a great opportunity there, yeah. you're like, this isn't for me, I want to do it on my own. So are you were you naturally entrepreneurial? Were you are you ambitious? What was it that made you think, I'm gonna go and do something else. I think um, everyone is naturally entrepreneurial. I just think I was so lucky to be exposed to other people who were essentially just totally unafraid to make and take risks themselves, which made me, through osmosis, more of a risk taker. I think so many people are held back entrepreneurially by the fact that they're just worried about risks. Like, genuinely. Yeah, well, what kind of risks? Well, like, you know, everyone wants to start their own business, right? But why don't, why doesn't everyone quit their job yeah. at, like, a big company or whatever in order to start their own business? Because of the risks, like, that's why. But because of the environment that I was exposed to, it didn't feel like that big of a deal. Like, everyone around me was doing it. And everyone think, yes, around me had, like, quit the thing their is, jobs. Well, I think you realise, like, if you're smart and you work hard, like, you can get another job. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, if you, if, you, if this goes wrong... How long does it take you to get a job? It takes like two months if you work hard. That may be really assumptive, and I'm sorry to anyone listening who's really struggled. But <laughs> like it's you can, but you can get another job. Generally speaking, you can get another job. And if you are someone who has the skill set to tr- probably be a founder, you've probably got some good experience already. Mm. You've got some skill sets. You can probably go out and get something. So yeah, you're right. There isn't actually as big a risk as people think. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stop you there because I know the next part of the story is a combined one, and um, it's time for me. It's time to hear from from May. So, May, you had a different background. Yeah, completely different. But I guess some similarities. So, my I'm from um, an ethnic uh, background. So, my parents are actually Chinese, and um, I guess growing up has different pressures. Yeah, exactly. Really different pressures and expectations. And obviously, there I'm first generation. So, you know, my parents have worked really hard to um, give us the life here. So you're BBC? BBC, yeah. Yeah, fine, okay, yeah. Um, And so I think for me, it was always doctor, lawyer, accountant. It's all there is, right? Or like a failure. Or or (laughs) just just generic billionaire. Yeah, (laughs) Those are your options, yeah. Um, But, you know, like Sam, I was always very creative when I was younger, loved art and all of that. Um, How'd that go down? Well, 
they let my, you know, my parents are actually creative themselves. So they definitely allowed me to explore that on the side. Like, yeah. you know, I used to do kind of art classes on the side and things like that. But when it came to, you know, school and, um, you know, academic, it was like, I was, at, I was actually good at maths. So, you know, it did help that I was, I was good at, yeah. you know, what they wanted me to do. So I, you know, looked at maths kind of was like accounting is obviously the obvious route for that. Yeah. Um, and again, when you're that young, you honestly don't know what that means. You just know that that's a good job from your parents and good money. It's a quite a lot to stand up against as well, mm. isn't it? Because we're all seduced by brands, whether we like it or not. You know, we all have brands that we associate to, whether it be your iPhone or a clothing brand or a car brand. Mm. And it's no different in your career. No, like saying yeah. I work for X big law firm or X big accountancy. Like when you go and tell people, like you get a poker chip every time you say that. They're like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I didn't say that no, I work for a bank. And I was like, and every time I said that, it was like, oh, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then when you say the name of your startup, they're like, no, no. You know, it's a weird, it's <laughs> a weird thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And so you, there's a lot of pressure on you when you leave uni or school, like mm -hmm. to be like, why would I say no to that? Like, mm. I'm so privileged to have this opportunity. Yeah. And you work for a big, yeah. big four. Yeah. Yeah. So like you're in this position where it's like it's you always I, I don't know if you had the same experience, but I had someone on the show who's saying like you feel ungrateful if you would say no to it. So because, true, yeah. Because you're like everyone is aspiring to work for this. Mm. You get a bit of an imposter syndrome when you get there, you're like, Why am I here? Like, mm. but then you're like, but then I'm, why am I turning down this opportunity with yeah. so many other people want? Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. But it's not it's not because you know that, it's just because everyone else is telling you that. Like that's the thing, right? And you know, you're all you're doing is and I say this with like, even if you work at the big four or you work at the the last four, all you're doing is sending emails and going to meetings. It's yeah. the same thing. Mm. <laughs> you're doing exactly the same thing. You've yeah. just got a different brand and a different sticker exactly. on it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And people don't and it may not even pay more. It's a oh, it's God, a yeah. it's a weird it's a weird thing. Yeah, again, again, you don't know what the value of money is really when you're that young. No. So, you know, even though it seems a lot and it was a lot at that age. It's like three grand more than your competitor. You're like, oh my God, yeah, yeah, exactly. I've got to take this. They're so lucky. If I had an extra three grand a year, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I could move from Clapham Junction <laughs> to Clapham Common. <laughs> it would change my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so then I ended up basically going to uni, studying accounting and ended up working for PwC. Yeah. So I did all the exams. What did you do? What did you wish... Um, in PwC. What did you, yeah, what was your specialism? So did you do Audit. ACA? Audit. Yeah, ACA. Wow. The fun bit. <laughs> <laughs> in uh, no. banking and capital markets. Jeez. So yeah. you must have been like, wow, my artistic streak is being... <laughs> <laughs> I was saying, Sam, like, oh, I just used to... Like, my favourite thing was just changing the colours of the spreadsheet <laughs> and the fonts. I'd, <laughs> I'd spent hours doing that and then like I'd be like oh god I need to actually it's like that. a scene out of a movie yeah. it's like, it's like watching you've got this person there and then everyone's like just checking I can for remember now it's like the burgundy purple with the white text yeah and Arial font 9 of oh course. my god, I mean, man! I mean, all it is, is fundamentally checking if columns add up. Yes, <laughs> it's funny, and you're just the one in the corner being like, "Oh, guys, check this out! <laughs> Look what I've done here. I've just switched this from Arial to Calibri, and it is nailed it. The client is going to go nuts. Where's that partner? Let me know. I'm in. I'm in. Promote exactly. me. I love that. And so, how did you? So, where's the? Tell me about the the meet cute, like the professional one. Like you guys are friends from a long time ago. How mm -hmm. did you meet? Yeah, we've been best friends since we were eight. Yeah, we met school. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if we were friends, like, no. from the start. May was actually too cool for me. What? Still? 
is, was, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just asking. Just asking the question. No, okay, that's interesting. So you, because um, generally speaking, if someone says, you know, I'm starting a business with my friend, the VCs go, <laughs> just like, whoa, yeah. what do you mean? Yeah. But you guys seem to be making it work. Yeah. So how did you, okay, so bef- we'll come back to that later because I'm really interested to hear about yeah. how you made that work. Um, my best friend actually is one of my co-founders. Okay. It doesn't work, I joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's really, int- so it's, it's a fascinating thing because um, I think it can work incredibly well. Now, what was that moment that you guys were like, do you know what? I, you guys are successful. Like it's going well. We didn't touch that, but I know you had a successful like film agency or mm. creative yourself mm. yeah. already. So you were already, you're both killing it. And then you're like, well, actually let's just risk it all and do something else. Like how did you come up with that idea and what problem was it that you saw in the world that you wanted to solve? So we actually, um, we quit our jobs initially to, to run Eric but we didn't know how to make money from that immediately. No idea what Eric is. What is oh, it? Oh, sorry, yeah. Um, Eric is what we're doing now. So it is um, a business that basically helps young people, empowers young people to get into the creative industries. So based That's on our own... Problem. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, yeah, it's something that we experienced ourselves um, when we were growing up, so... Um, I love that. That's, that, you, you, that is quintessentially the best origin story you can have for a business we had um Eamon Carey on it Eamon Carey is the MD of Techstars and he talks about um what he finds exciting in story um founders but one thing he talks about is that origin story just being like you've got a group of people who experienced a problem they have some market expertise and they are just on a mission to solve that problem like that is the perfect origin story for any startup I love you did it so did you and were you doing your jobs to solve? Or did you just say, right, right, we're just going to go solve this? No, we were, weren't we? Well, because Sam was working for her tech starter. I was at PwC, both in London. And obviously, as best friends, we'd meet up for coffees, you know, catch up, yep. complain <clears throat> about our jobs. And w- the main thing was that creative outlets. Like, we're not feeling like we can be that creative, um, you know, self. So what we really wanted to do was find out how other people were doing that successfully. So we we used to just kind of cold email people who we thought was interesting. So I remember there was a graffiti artist. There was a founder of um, Hummus Bros. Do you remember Hummus? Uh, not Hummus. Okay. Yeah. Hummus, hummus Brothers, yeah. Hummus yeah. Brothers, yeah. yeah. up in Holborn. Because we loved hummus and we were like, how yeah. did Who he Who doesn't just... love hummus? Like, well, it's closed now. It's so sad. It's like yeah, my favourite place to lunch. In, it was, I used to work upstairs. I used to oh, work in... I worked in the Corp Executive Board, which was above it. And when they opened Hummus Brothers in the same building in Victoria House... So, a Amazing. Lot of, I took a lot of chickpeas. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was serious. Never enough bread, though. Never enough bread. Yeah, never uh, enough bread. Well, maybe that's why, yeah. Yeah, because customers weren't happy. So Too sad. much hummus. <laughs> yeah. So sad. But yeah, we were seeing these people like do the job that they love. And we were like, how the hell do they do that? So I remember so well, on my lunch break, I used to go out and interview these people <laughs> because we started a blog, basically. You- just just on like a site. It was, this, it was a blog, a free, you know, just on the side. We used to go interview people and then write them up on this blog. I mean, you, no one was reading them. Unbeknownst yourself, <laughs> no unbeknownst yourself though, but what you're doing there is you're creating product market fit. Like yeah. you're, you're, you're doing market research. Don't, that that's, again... You guys are such like you're like um, you're a bit like Neo in the Matrix. You're just the natural <laughs> when it comes to doing this. So you've gone out, Absolutely. you've done this market, so you're interviewing people, finding out the problems they've been through or how they solve that problem of getting into creative industries. Mm-hmm. 
and then you're publishing it and letting people know about it. Yeah. And so how did that evolve? Well, it then turned into a bit of a magazine. Um, oh, but it was like a kind of online magazine. So it was essentially just like a kind of elaborate version of the blog. And then, yeah, basically no one was reading it. So uh, at this point we had quit our jobs because we were like, yeah, like we need to solve this problem of young people getting into the creative industries. This is, everyone everything that is out there is so boring at the moment. Let's like interview all these people. Let's make it snappy. Let's make it fun. Let's like actually make it relevant for young people to actually read and digest. But we, (laughs) this was like six, seven years ago and every man and his dog had started a blog. And so no one was reading. I mean, it was just a saturated market. Women also read blogs. Oh, sorry. Yes. Every man, woman and his dog, her dog. And cats. They, dog. Um, so, um, so yeah, so that's what, um, we were doing then. And then we realized that we had to pay bills. Um, and so we were like, shit, we need to actually, we need to make some money. Yeah. So, um, uh, I basically had had some video production experience at my previous, at the the company that I was working for previously because, I had tried my hand at literally everything that they did. Um, And every gap, they were like, Sam, do you want to kind of have a go? Of course. (laughs) I'd be like, okay, great. Of course I will. Um, So um, I, with my very limited (laughs) video experience, said to me, we should start a video production company. Why not? You know? Um, I mean, why not? So we did. Um, We kind of, we bought a couple of cameras we bought a couple of tripods and then we basically just started emailing people that we know being like so anyone want a video we can totally make it we made so, and, okay now i'm a guy who loves pitching yep <laughs> and i want to hear this because i like i want to hear that practical piece of advice so you that obviously worked you joke about it but it worked what on earth did you put in that email that compelled people to work with you so what were you doing i mean our prices were low it was oh like, so you think that was it oh, right definitely. so it was, i mean look everyone wants content right mm. everyone loves it and so you made it accessible to them yeah and it was that time where video was you know the hot content still is it still is <laughs> no, right. but like you know there hadn't been as many talking heads okay yeah. and boring yeah. videos yeah um they're a bit more creative now but back then you know everyone wanted their hand on like yeah just a talking head simple video yeah and actually what we identified was that um production companies or companies were still going to big production companies for like the most basic videos and we were like well this is really unnecessary um they were going to like these you know <coughs> companies who'd be like you need like three cameramen you need like 15 different types of lights on there you need like someone to oversee the whole production or whatever for like a social media video that frankly was just like yeah this is a talking head being like this is what we do and it was like we i think that was the gap that we originally identified yeah we identified the gap and uh, that's basically where we placed ourselves so the email that we were sending out was very much along the lines of you don't need a massive production in order to create a basic talking head or like an explainer video for what you do as a business we can we're a team of like two people and we are fucking cheap we can totally do that for you like and I'm pretty sure we offered free videos like we were like we can offer you a free first video but that's great because like you you get them hooked right and they get into you and they enjoy you and you provide a great product it's fine and that and I actually do think that the one thing that made us successful if I had to put it down to one thing I think it was the people liked Sam and I as people yeah um so we we didn't actually have to sell them the video obviously we had to sell them the meeting but once we met them 
it was like they liked us for who we are. A hundred percent buy into that. I think um, you know, um I've got a background in sales and I say to people all the time that the process of selling to a small startup or selling to a multi-million pound deal to a bank, like I'm the same dude all the way through. Like people buy from people. The process is slightly different. There are different hurdles you have to get over, but ultimately it's just an interaction between yeah. human beings. And yeah. if people like working with you, they might, they'll probably choose you over other people. Exactly. Yeah. And then I think the other, so just on that, we also focused on females. Yeah, I was going to say that. So we- um, We're sexist. <laughs> well, no, yes. we use it as an advantage. Oh, fine, sorry. Okay. We used our minority as an advantage. Okay. Uh, but that is like, you know, building that connection. Yeah, we, yeah. we contacted female run businesses or, well, I was going to say. So, 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 um, wait, so, so, how did you find these people to contact? So, one of the, I guess, video products that we said that we were kind of, we do is events. Um, so, we actually went on Eventbrite and just scrolled through all of the events and just found either female-focused events, female-run events, anything to do with females. And we just contacted them saying, we are a female-focused um, video, video production company. We'd love to kind of work with you um, as we have aligned, you know, passions. This is absolutely brilliant. I love that. I, it's just perfect. Like, you had a free resource available to you. You saw those people and you went out to them and I imagine your conversion rate was terrible, but at the same time you still got business, right? Yeah. So it, it's worth it. You just keep going at it. I, absolutely incredible. In the current climate, marketing is hard. But do you know what isn't hard? Making sure you never miss an episode of your favourite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much. And so there is something, there's um, Alex Dunstan who came on the show. He talks about the superpowers of a founder. And one of them he talks about is serendipity. Now, you can only, you can increase your chance of serendipity by meeting more people. And so by virtue of the fact that you guys are just putting yourself out there, going to events and meeting more people, you're increasing your chance of serendipity. And then by virtue of that, you meet people that need mm -hmm. the services and then you become successful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was, that's absolutely incredible. And so that's not what you do now. No. no. So how did that evolve into where you are now? Well, um, so we, bearing in mind that we'd had this kind of like idea at the back of our heads all the time, the whole time that we were running our Y Productions, the video thing, um, uh, that we still wanted to help young people get into the, in the creative industries. It's just that had essentially been sidelined because our priority right then and there was making money in order to be able to pay bills. 100%. So we, we were just constantly thinking about, um, you know, the creative industries, how we could help these people. Um, and coming up with ideas for how that what that might manifest itself, you know, as um, or in. And um, we were actually at one of the events that we had like spammed on Eventbrite. And then they, you know, serendipity exactly. Yeah. They were like, oh, we had a conversation yesterday about getting um, about getting the event filmed. Um, are you guys available to come in? And so just coincident, you know, yeah. like we went to go and film it. And then we were at this event, and we were like, it was for. It was about um, millennial marketing. And we were standing there and we were literally like, 
this event is so cool, right? Okay, so they had like all of the exhibitors had put so much effort into what they were doing so that, you know, there was like a really boring company that was trying to attract people because it had like an oxygen bar. And then like this um, skincare brand was just like giving out free products to like all these people. And it was like everywhere you look, there was stuff to do, stuff to like engage you. And, you know, all the speakers were really, really interesting. And it, it was just in a cool venue. Like everything about it was good. Um, but the actual people who were there... There was not one millennial in the room. Every single person who was there was like a senior level marketer who were all just recycling shit ideas about how to attract millennials, basically. So there wasn't one millennial in the room telling them what they actually wanted or like how to market to them. Um, And then May and I were just like, this actual event is amazing. It's just it needs young people in there. The young people are the ones who will benefit most from this level of interactivity and engagement. And then we were like, Careers fairs, they're so boring. Why don't we just take what they've done at this event and then put it into a careers fair? And that is how you engage young people and educate them about the creative industries and all of their different creative options. And it just felt like at that moment, it was like the light bulb had just switched on and we were like, right, yeah. Oh my God, careers advice is so boring. And this is how we can make it interesting. It's so natural. I love, that's perfect. That fits naturally. I can see how that progressed. And so what did you do? Like, how did you... running event isn't cheap and so how did you or like yo did you invite people to come and exhibit how did you get that first because the thing about events is you need a critical mass don't you if like if i'm gonna go and exhibit at your events i'm gonna pay to do that i'm gonna want to know that i'm gonna have the right audience there in front of me so there's this matchmaking problem and you need to be i need to know i'm gonna have the right audience and yet that audience needs to know you're gonna have the right people at the event in order for me to bother going so how did you make that balance work and what did you do first? Well, I think I think like naivety came to an advantage for us because we were just so excited for the idea. Like honestly, when Sam was like light bulb moment, the light bulb came on after that event. We went straight to I don't know, I can't remember where and were brainstorming. You know, what can we do? Like this is this is amazing. Can't believe no one's ever done this before. We were like looking to see if anyone had done it before. No one had done it before. So we were like, we just need to do it now. And me and Sam are quite, we don't really like waiting around. So yeah, we do it. We're very impulsive. It's um, good. So we immediately were like, let's just put it on Eventbrite. We don't, ha- we don't have a venue. We, we don't really know what we're, you know, really who the audience are. We don't really know those finer details. We were just like, let's just put a, an event on Eventbrite because it's free. And what did you write? Because like that's, if someone's going to go to that, like yeah. it's got to be some compelling text yeah right a title so what did you call it we basically we called it so we did come up with the name eric and that actually came up pretty quickly as well it was the name of sam's ex-boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> no is it no <laughs> you're like wait wait wait. It's, it's, it's a weird way to get back oh my god finally you realized or, or ask him to come back with me is it with a k or with a c c, with a c. c. So well, it's an acronym oh of course and so it stands for educate <laughs> We should know that off by heart. Educational, revolutionary, inspirational, creative. You sure? So we just came. We came up with loads of words, and then I love it. By the way, like as a brand, I love them. I love branding, and I think it's absolutely exceptional because Ah, yeah, I think I think it's really good because it's so memorable. It's so easy. Yeah, and I'm engaging with it. I'm asking you a question about it. It's kind of funny as well (laughs) because Eric, you don't think of careers, but straight away, straight away, I'm like, 
is it the name of an ex-wife? I want to know the story. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's good. Everyone does ask us that. And yeah. I love that. I love that. It's really good. So make one up. <laughs> yeah. Find yeah. Eric. If there's an Eric listening. Well, yeah. We actually have loads of people called Eric in our audience. We've come across quite a lot of Eric's. In but none of time. them are eligible bachelors. <laughs> well, I'm sure they are. I've never investigated. <laughs> wow. Okay, reach out. Call out to all the Eric's. <laughs> Lovely. Um, and so um, you put it on there. You just yeah. called it Eric. Yeah, okay. we called it Eric Festival. And I guess. I love that. You instantly branding overload their festival. Yeah. It's just the right term for that audience, isn't it? Exactly. Brilliant. Uh, and it was quite simple. It was just like, are you 16 to 25? Do you think career fairs are boring? That's not a millennial. So well, hurtful. yeah, that's technically true. But at the time, it did it also include some okay, millennials. Fine. <laughs> right, yeah. Because I'm a millennial and now yeah. I'm feeling like I'm granddad. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't let me lose that banner. Okay, yep. Um, it was just simple, you know, like... Um, are you, do you think career fairs are boring? Because we do, you know, that kind of thing. Like, are you bored of recruiters and suits? Are you bored of free pens? Come to this different, you know, festival where we're going to um, show you how to get into the creative industries and you can meet um, different young creatives. Just empathy. Just, you know, really empathy then solution. Like, you've identified the problem, you found that empathy, and then you gave them the, the you solved the problem. Exactly, like that's, yeah. That's brilliant. Like, that's that's really inspired. I really like that. And so how did it go? It went amazing. We had over 2,000 sign-ups. Two that, how many were you expecting? I, don't know. <laughs> I uh, actually, like, three. Like, honestly, <laughs> we, we were literally like, so little people will sign up that it's fine that we're putting this out there because we can just cancel it. And those three people who have signed up, I'm sure they were mine. <laughs> it's fine. You know, like, oh, wait, wait. So, only three emails. We so you didn't do any marketing? You just put no, it No marketing. Did you, like, do any SEO on it? Did no. you, how did you get any tags? Well, we didn't get that. You yeah, like put it up. Yeah. Basic. We didn't have anything. Like Facebook, we didn't have any social. Did you channels. have a date? Yeah, we made that up. Yeah, we just made up a date, and then we were like, we can always change it because only three people will sign <laughs> up. Like that was essentially the base of all of our decisions. We were like, it won't matter. There's a um, is we have a they're on the um, they're on the show. Um, Brie and Tom Reed from Snag Tights, and they went from zero to like two million revenue a month in about eighteen months. They've absolutely smashed it. Wow. But they have this theory about experimentation. They're like, look. We send out, every time we do a, a post on Instagram or Facebook, we do 14 versions of the same advert, trying different things out. And then the one that does well, then we run it. And you're like, you're, you're just testing. Mm. It just so happened that your first test worked. Yeah, that's what no, it exactly. is. Yeah, yeah. Like people are saying that's that's lucky. It's not. It's not lucky. It's like you had an experiment. It just turned out that that was the yeah. right way to do it. So it's not don't undersell yourselves by making out that it was a fluke. Like there was some thought behind it. You you are your audience. You understand the problem. And if you understand the problem of your customers, you're going to be successful. I love that. I love that. So that's really, really good. So you had 2,000 people come. Uh, no, 2,000 people signing up. Oh, but because fine. it's a free event. But three people came. Yeah, nice. Okay. So with free events, normally there's like a 75% dropout rate. Um, and so we had about 500 people come to the, the actual event. It's still incredible. And I mean, it was anyone who says like it's free to pay people, it's still people's time. Pay with their time. Do you know people yeah. paying time? Like, and people if, actually wanted to sign up even if they couldn't come on the day. It was something they were interested in. You, you've got in. someone to take some action. Like yeah. it's like I am much more likely to pay money to not go to something and just take it online and consume it for a yeah. podcast than I am to give up my time yeah. and go to an event like and what day of the week was it on? Sunday. Sunday. On a Sunday, I'm busy. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's good. We were no, we were honestly so surprised ourselves. And how did it go? Oh, it went amazing. Like better than we ever thought. And what I was think. the measure of success? What makes you say it was amazing other than you, it felt good? 
Well, um, I guess uh, everyone on the day was just like, this is incredible. All the companies that did come along were like, we want to do this again. Um, in terms of like just ongoing feedback, it was just, it was absolutely mad. Like I, I don't think either of us would ever have expected anything of that level. Genuinely, yeah. we were expecting barely anyone to turn up and frankly for the whole thing to be a bit of a disaster and then we just go back to our productions. <laughs> and I think so. it was the engagement on the day. Like you, you were there and it was just not a careers fair. It was so loud. It was just so different and yeah. just everyone smiling. Oh, I love that the, the feedback from Sam was, it was loud. <laughs> no, from someone that professed I hate going out <laughs> just came up with it was so loud oh, yeah. I need to bring some ear muffers ear muffers <laughs> not a thing so you've had an amazing two years you've done so many great events and it's gone really well but I know now you're evolving and you're creating something new so tell me about that yeah, so we spent so much time getting to know our audience um, over the last couple of years that we just know exactly who they are as people what they want from companies as well so we know now that they just operate on a completely different level to any generations before them. So they just have a completely different set of values, priorities. They really, they only really want to work with companies that care about them as individuals, as people, and have the same uh, morals and ethics as yeah. them. And that creates a problem. Yeah, and the problem is though that the companies have no idea how to attract Gen Z. They don't know how to attract young talent. Um, and that's where they're really struggling. And that's where we see Eric um, as, as a solution to help them um, understand this, I guess, demographic. Um, and that's why we're now building a platform where um, companies and Gen Z can connect, can meet all on one platform, um, but all around um, values that they share. Amazing. And so do you have, do you have any traction already? Yeah, we've got loads of traction. I mean, um, we've built up an audience of like 30,000 young people. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and, and these are all people who are creatives looking for jobs in the creative industry. And what are they? And they're obviously super engaged, otherwise they wouldn't be using you. And what? And are they global? Uh, so mainly, well, ma only in the UK, really. 30,000 in the UK? Yeah. And in London, 80% London. Jesus. And, and what kind of clients have you got on there? So at the moment, yeah, we're working with uh, companies such as Apple, Warner Music, BBC. So proper like tier one brands. This sounds like an amazing opportunity. And you're building a platform yourselves to enable this and scale it out. And there's a plan to do that globally. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've kind of uh, really established our demographic within London and we're kind of well known in our area now. We definitely are going um, national at the end of this year, which is really exciting. Amazing. And we've actually already been outside of London across the UK. So incredible. We've done that. What before. a great story. What a great story. And you guys are in early stage fundraising at the moment. Yeah. Yes. Fantastic. OK, right. So great. Now we're coming up to the part of the show where I ask you some questions that came in from my very low level Twitter. <laughs> OK, so uh, before you came here today, I sent a message out to my audience and I said, look, I've got these two rather successful people from Eric coming on the show. What questions do you have for them? Right. What is your top piece of advice for it's actually slightly more on the corporate side and it's less on the startup side what's your top piece of advice for a business if it's a small business to attract creative talent um well 
the core piece of advice or the key piece of advice I feel that we would always give is you just have to get inside the mindset of your audience. Um, the likelihood is if you've been working, if you're a professional who's been working in a professional environment for over like a couple of years, you've forgotten how they think. Um, and we actually run a series of industry events for um, uh, heads of HR, heads of talent, heads of diversity and inclusion so that they can actually hear from young people themselves and what they want from companies. Um, so we have a panel of young people basically telling all of these, you know, the audience what they're doing wrong. And the constant uh, theme seems to be that um, people who are working in professional environments just have absolutely no, they never put themselves in the shoes of young people. They're always thinking in industry, in an industry mindset. So they'll be like, oh, I'm going to put this out on LinkedIn. 13% of Gen Z are on LinkedIn. There's literally no point, you know? Or they'll be like, oh, well, we put it out on our, you know, we put this job post out on our Twitter and we're like, well, our audience for a start aren't really on Twitter, but also they're not following you, <laughs> you know? These are really, I think getting inside their mindset is like the best way of just instantly changing um, the fundamental okay. stuff that you're doing that is okay. going wrong. Okay, um, next one. Next question following on from that is, do you see a particular consistency in people applying who are creatives who are trying to get jobs with these big brands? Like what is a... What if I was creative, heaven forbid, what would I do that would give me a better chance of getting a role at one of these great companies? Um, to be honest, like the companies um, nowadays, they don't care about education, degrees, experience. All they care about is your passion. So um, as a young creative, all you need to do is just show that passion, come like sorry, make that passion come across. So show what you're doing in your spare time. Tell um, the companies what you like, what what don't you like, what kind of um, what your, what's your interests. Um, really, kind of show off your personality because that's really all that matters. It's like, are you motivated for the job? Do you really want this? And is this something that you're really passionate about? Everything else doesn't really come into play anymore. I've just got one more thing to add to that as well. Um, uh, so many young people that we come across, uh, they're like, I'm trying to get a job in TV and they're applying to the BBC. And we're like, there are just so, there are thousands of tiny production companies who you can apply to who are probably really likely to take you because they'd never get applications. It definitely seems to be that young people, when they think of an industry, they only think of like, like three big companies and that's it. Um, so we always encourage people to look at startups. You've had an amazing trajectory of success, but there must be some failings that you had along the way that you learned from. So what would you say are the things that you would do differently if you did it all again and you don't want other people to make the same mistake? Um, I always get really annoyed with um, when you start a company, you feel like you need to live up to this like entrepreneur expectation that is essentially just pushed on you by the media and pushed on you by the like startup culture. I think actually we would have been a lot more relaxed and made a lot more of like, uh, uh, maybe made decisions differently early on if we didn't feel like we had to live by that kind of, you know, you have to work 24 seven, you have to, you know, constantly be thinking about what you're doing, you know, in terms of business. And there's a bizarre pressure and there's a bizarre um, narrative, I feel that is like written out for people when they start working. Um, and it's often pushed on by other people start who have started businesses and they're like god yeah like i literally live and breathe work and you're like fuck do i need to be doing that but the reality is it's like no everyone starts a business on the whole to be able to live how they want to and so i feel like at the beginning 
I wish we'd realized earlier that a lot of people are just faking it. I love that. That's actually really fucked up for Sam. Thank you. So the last question's come on here, which is um, a really important one. And it's about you guys are publicly your co-founders, your friends, but you have the same responsibility and role in the business. Typically, when you say to a VC, my co-founder's my mate, they're like, oh, it's okay if you were friends when you work together, but if you were just friends first, a lot of people don't like that. And um, I know that because one of my co-founders is my best friend. Um, I trust him with my life, and so it works. But there are problems with us professionally because we have, it's, it is what it is, right? You work, it's, it's stressful. How do you guys deal with running an incredibly stressful business together and growing together? How do you decide who does what and how do you resolve conflict? After you, May. Oh, see, <laughs> she's so kind. <laughs> Her likeness. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, we definitely had, you know, it wasn't an easy, um, it wasn't easy to work together and be friends. Like we definitely have ups and downs, but I guess it all comes down to the fact, like, why did we start this? Do you know what I mean? Like mm. we didn't start this for money. We didn't start this for material things. Uh, we started it because we were two best friends um, who wanted to solve a problem. And so whenever we you know, have moments, we just think back about um, and not be so serious all the time. Because at the end of the day, all we really care about <coughs> is, is the friendship um, first. And I think that actually makes us better business women and business partners. Yeah, I, I feel like- I love that. Yeah, it's it, honestly, I think we have a really unique relationship. Um, we complement each other kind of perfectly. May thinks, you know, about kind of the immediate future. And I always think like way too far ahead. And so like we always just end up meeting in the middle, which is so nice. And it's the same with our skills. You know, I have literally no design skills. <laughs> May has all the design skills. And so I'm like, but the user experience, can we just meet in the middle? You know, yeah. it's, it's always a nice compromise. Um, I think it took us quite a long time to work out that compromise is like a possibility and it doesn't always have to be one person's way or the other person's way. Um, and I think when we like finally established that we can always meet in the middle, it just solved a lot of issues for us. Um, but there was like a funny, I think for the first couple of years, there was a weird, it was a weird time for us because you're basically making a transition from friends to family. You know, like with your family, you can just have a fight and then you just it's fine, it doesn't matter, no one really cares, you just get over it. Um, but with friends, it's very much like an untested area. Um, and so there was a period of time where we were just kind of like constantly like pushing boundaries and just seeing how far we could get. And then eventually we just broke through and, and I think we are just like sisters yeah. now. Like we're just unbreakable. <laughs> no, exactly. And I think it, again, it's also really important to, to take that, to spend time together as friends. Oh yeah. So now we kind of allocate, you know, couple of days a month to literally just hang out as friends and not talk about work yeah that's really that. important guys i i've absolutely loved this genuinely i think um i meet a lot a lot of startups and i have people on the show who are founders and incredibly successful and you guys have such an 
a natural ability to figure out the best route to make something work. I think the fact that you are so bought into figuring out the problem and understanding the problem first and then designing the solution, I think is absolutely inspired. I love the organic way that you've grown and you funded yourself. And I think that's beautiful. I think your idea for your new product is absolutely inspired and you've already got evidence of traction. I think it's going to be hugely successful. Um, thank you so much for coming on and um, wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. us.